Hey y'all, my name is TC Tolbert and I'm on the chopping block at visceralchange.org. Listen to what we do. I don't have anything to say. No, wait, wait. I'm nervous. Yeah. It's your easy listening station. I'm there right now. <laughs> You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. The them on the Visceral Change Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of The Chopping Block. I am super excited. I'm here with colleague uh, T.C. Tolbert. Uh, T.C., how are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. And so you are an author and a poet laureate. And I, I that's incredible. And I can't wait to dig into some of these uh, titles and the journey and, and uh, more about you. Um, so let's jump right into it. Okay. I mentioned author, mentioned uh, poet laureate, but you identify as many things, right? And you identify as a transgender queer feminist, collaborator, mover, and poet, right? <laughs> but above all that, uh, you identify as, and I quote, a human in love with humans doing human things. Unveil that for us. What does that mean? You know, I, it's, it really does mean that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I, when I first wrote it, I was thinking a lot, not even about the positive things that humans do. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, because I think that's actually really easy to fall in love with. Yes. Um, but really the, the awkward painful um stumbling things that humans do yes i i genuinely feel um a tenderness toward that and um and what i what i think is love um you know it's it's a sort of um, an expansiveness within me opens up when i when i see um when I, when I see folks struggling with what does it mean to be human? Yep. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and often that looks like failure trying to get to success or, you know, mm. you know moving through challenges. Um, sure. And, and so I, 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 I just genuinely love that. I, I love the range of human attempt <laughs> Say that. that's an interesting way to look at it <clears throat> you know i i i offered you i often used to ask this question to staff members i had sort of like, as like an icebreaker get to know you i would ask a ton of random questions that were philosophical questions if you will one question i would ask is how much of our humanity do we lose in being humane and what i was trying to get at was Right, the negotiation between what's primitive and what is sort of nurtured over time and, 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 and socialized. What do you think about that discussion? Is there a discussion to be had when we talk about the humanity of ourselves? Um, are we, do we find ourselves letting go too much of what is or is the, what makes us uniquely human the fact that we can actually challenge what, what is? That is, uh, ah. <laughs> a question for a different time, maybe. <laughs> no, it's so great. I mean, I, in some ways I'm, I'm really 
really deeply in that particular uh, struggle internally right now. I've, I've been um, cultivating a, a contemplative practice. Sure. And, um, and, and yeah, what my, what my desire is, what my body wants, um, and how that is sometimes, maybe oftentimes in conflict with what my, my brain or my manners or, you know, any sure. number of things tell me I should do sure. is, um, is a, is very present for me right now. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know, um, yeah, like I don't, I don't know which side of that coin, I guess, sort of makes us more human. Sure, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I love sort of turning it over, you know, <laughs> maybe right, that's right. it. Like, you know, just constantly sort of turning it around, turning it around. Um, and, and maybe making that particular question or questions of our humanity not into answers. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure your, your question is on some level more rhetorical, right? <laughs> like the, sure, the sure. Um, but, but that the question itself becomes a kind of tool you know, to, to like get, get things moving and, and that's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, when we think about at least I think about, you know, we talk about the cart coming before the horse or the chicken before the egg, good, you know, good and evil. What are we inherently, you know, and how much work you think about how much work it takes to be good. Mm-hmm. versus how much work it takes to be evil, it changes the way that question looks sometimes, you know? And so when you started talking about falling in love with human, humans, doing human things, you know, that really sort of reinvigorated this question I had pondered a couple of years ago. And so um, I had to take a second to explore that with you. So thank you for following me on that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's funny. I hear that bio read a fair amount and mm-hmm. I, I often want to sort of interject and say, that also means the bad stuff, <laughs> you know, like yes. and not to glorify it and not to say like, we should move, move to sort of celebrate it, but to, to, to let it sort of open up something within us where we can sort of be like more, more capacious or. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, you know, one thing that really grabbed me about your website uh, was your unique approach to pronouns, right? I hadn't, I hadn't explored pronouns or, or seen pronouns approach in this particular way where you say f- when addressing you, it's he, him in conversation. And then it's sort of S slash he, sort of that old traditional she, he, S slash he, uh, when it's in writing. Uh, why that distinction? And, and if you can tell us why, pronouns are important overall in general? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, something I really struggle with still. <laughs> I, um, I, well, as, as a, you know, as a poet, as a writer, I, I just love language. I, yes. I love, I love the way that it is. Uh, it's everything at once, you know, so simple, so complex, all of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I also love the way that things look on, on the page um not just how they sound although i love how they sound too and, and the sort of space between that right. so so i i wanted and it feels accurate that when someone is with me 
you know, when we're in each other's presence, right. the language there is different. I feel like that's true for all of us. Yes. You know? like yes. we, I talk to people in very different ways than I write to them. That's right. <laughs> well said, yeah. Um, and, and so, so I, I wanted to draw that out a little bit. And also now that I, now that I pass, you know, as, as a, I think a lot of people actually read me as a cis gay man. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> um, which I'll be honest, I prefer that okay. <laughs> to, I mean, I prefer folks to read me as a white cis gay man than as a white cis straight man. Okay. 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 I'll follow but you. I'd rather they read me as a white trans man. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Anyway, so so the the writing element allows me to draw that out a little bit yeah. um, in a way that like my gesture can't because I'm not in person. My gesture can draw out some of that queerness, um, but it it can't on the page. So I sort of use that s slash h e to do that. I love that that. The, the the way you are like, your use of of your distinction between the platforms of language right and and how you're able to utilize them in unique ways which i think offers something for uh the academy for the world for for lifelong learners to consider about language uh it is unique and i think it's it's meant to be explored in this way and so this is it's fantastic <laughs> honestly <laughs> i mean i i grew up in tennessee in in a pentecostal church okay. and so you know they were speaking in tongues and you know this uh, what we might call irregular uses of language yes. mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. and that that has shaped me you know to to really drive sort of right into all of the levels that language can operate on and how those are really distinct right. um, and sort of have different um, different ways of arriving in the body <laughs> right yeah i mean the united states is is <clears throat> to me is a place to do that you think about all the different dialects that you'll find here um and so so gender pronouns uh in general tc i uh, how important are they uh, in general, in terms of maybe validation, affirmation? Um, and, you know, do you run the risk of actually outing somebody by engaging in, in pronouns from the very beginning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, do you mean like in terms of like a teaching situation where I might sort of do a pronoun activity? That's right. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have... I feel like I've really grown in that, um, in various practices of, mm -hmm. of how to approach that in the classroom. Again, especially as my particular embodiment has shifted more towards what might be read as, you know, very hegemonic, right? Sure. Um, and so um, I think there is a risk of, of putting someone on the spot or sort of asking them to out themselves in some way. Um, and there's also the risk of folks in the room who know what know what you're asking, but they want to be 
well, they're uncomfortable with it. And so they want to be either caustic or, you know, that there's the sort of dismissiveness of it or, right. or even harmful joking, you yeah, know? Sure. Um, so it, it, it opens up a, a platform for everybody in some uncomfortable ways. Yes. Um, I have, I've moved into doing an activity where I give that as sort of like a menu of things you could share about yourself. Okay. Um, so that, you know, if you want to share that, that's a thing. And I share my pronouns. So I, I try to normalize it as a practice, but that's it's right. not required. I guess I, I certainly can't speak for all trans professors or teachers, but I think that's true for, you know, trans folks facilitating as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that, um, that there's a real tension in that. Even if you have the, the sort of safest space, right. <laughs> Where it's seeing or feels like anyone could come out. That doesn't mean that that person has, has even been able to come out to themselves. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole, that was years long process for me. So I'm really thankful people didn't ask me, you know, at, at various times. And, you know, I, I know for myself early on when I started my, my gender transition where I was talking to people about it, sure. I, um, I thought, well, I have to get top surgery. Like that's, that's what it means to be trans. That's what it means to be transmasculine. And and so I was just, I mean, moving as quickly as possible to that goal. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until I met another transmasculine person who had like a pink wallet and, you know, kind of did all of these things that disrupted masculinity as uh -huh. he was also embracing masculinity. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, right. It's in any, I remember he said to me, it's still your body. Like, like there's a, there are trans narratives and you get to decide which of those fit. Right. And, and that was, you know, it, that was 2004 and it was oh, wow. shocking. Yeah. Well, it speaks to uh, the pervasiveness of right. What we perceive to be normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and standard. And so, there's a lot of discussion and I'm not quite sure if this is fits for with where you were going, but of sort of intra-group, intra-group dialogue and conflict about, and, you know, internalizing some of the, some of the normalized states of being that we lose sight of concepts like simple concepts, like it's still your body or, you know, we're still all the same race in this way, you know, and we, 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 we lose sight of that. So powerful, powerful moment in 04, I can only imagine. Oh. So I want to, I want to stick with language for a little bit. Um, and let's talk about sort of the trans space project. Um, very interested in this. Uh, you talk about how language is so important. You even have a little sort of a little note on your website about, you know, some notes about, about language and, and, and decisions to, to use certain things. And one thing that I saw right away was the asterisk after, after the trans to be all inclusive, really all encompassing as best as possible. Um, you know, as an educator who's always growing myself and the other diversity and inclusion folks out there who are in the same space, uh, this is an ever evolving area of the work, right? Language as we move on. Tell us about the trans space project and tell us about the importance of language 
as well um, and, and why this is something we need to continue to evolve in. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the Transface project is, well, it, it's truly started as an idea, you know, in 2005-ish, 2004, 2005, um, where I was really just thinking about how to fill up spaces that felt um, very exclusive and dangerous for trans folks, in particular bathrooms. Uh, oh, yes. How to fill that, that space with our presence. <laughs> and I thought really the safest way to do that would be with our voices. Right. Um, but at the time I didn't know how to get our voices in there without our bodies, right. which felt less safe. <laughs> yes. sure. so, um, so anyway, it was, it was sort of, just this idea that I, I kept kicking around. And until uh, about two years ago, early on as I was, uh, became poet laureate here in Tucson, um, the Academy of American Poets put out this call for larger citywide or laureate-wide projects. And I was like, this is the one, it's time, you know? <laughs> and um, so the idea was that I would, work in community with trans and non-binary folks who may or may not be poets. You know, sure. that was not at all limited to that just identity. Poets, right. But that we're using language, you know, that I'm sharing sure. poetry and writing by other trans and non-binary people because I think first things first, you have to know that that, that exists. Yes. You know? yes. And, and, and that we don't sort of talk about it in the abstract, but we're really looking and saying, how is this person using language? Right. Um, and, and maybe that's related to gender and maybe it's not. Um, so we get to have those conversations and then that moves into a space of doing one's own writing and expression. And then if folks are interested, you know, it's always each sort of step is optional, but um, you know, then they could record their poems, audio record their poems. Mm -hmm and then ins install those poems in bathrooms across the city. Ah. And so, wouldn't you know it, COVID happened literally when this was supposed oh, to Oh, that recent, wow. <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to, I finished up the workshops. I was originally only going to do 10 workshops, you know, across the city. I ended up doing 30 because folks were just, they just kept coming. So I was like, well, this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we, you know, kept, kept having the workshops and um, finished those in January. And then I was set to sort of pivot, you know, and, and turn to the, the installation part. Yes. So I honestly don't know how or if that's going to be able to develop at this point. You know, right. I mean, there's, there's no public restroom access for anybody yeah. right now. Yeah. So. Right, right. <laughs> but it, it still feels important. That said, one thing I really encountered that I was surprised by, most of the folks in the workshops were really, really excited to do the writing and to do their personal exploration. Mm -hmm. But the turn to then recording their voice and sharing it I found a lot of folks were like, I would love to hear that from other people, but I'm not really interested in doing that. And that wasn't something that I really accounted for. Interesting. Yeah, so I, and, and I'm, 
I feel very committed to following what the people want, you know, like, of course. like not saying, well, this is my art project and we're going to have to do this. You know? right. Of course. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I feel excited about it because I'm, I'm, it's, it still feels quite open, you know, yes. like what, how will it develop? I'm going to actually pick up and start doing some more workshops on zoom since we're great. All kind yes. of hanging out. Um, great. And I will make it even more accessible to some folks who couldn't get to the workshops. So, right. so we'll that's a good see. idea. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I support that. I mean, it's, it's especially something that is this can have this type of impact. I mean, because the way it works as we know is although we may, we may tailor towards a particular group, it winds up being useful for so many others just on the periphery. Um, you know, uh, people who uh, wind up seeing this, these, uh, the posts in the bathrooms or this information uh, really goes a long way. And you mentioned even on your website, you know, if, if you identify as such, we want you to uh, incorporate this way. If you identify as such this way, if you're assistant straight, step your allyship up in advocacy, you know, help us out. And so that, you know, that, that's huge um, for sure. And, and I want to explore a little bit the, the asterisk. I've seen it and I use it. Um, and I'm, I'm a proponent of, you know, if this is something the marginalized groups are calling for, then you know, not owed an explanation. This let, let's, let's fall in line and make it happen. Um, you went in on your website and started talking about sort of what the asterisk could exist. Uh, could mean. So just because you have it on your website, um, uh, can you talk a little bit about the asterisk? Yeah. Yeah. The asterisk, I, I personally, I feel many ways about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't. And, and when I'm sort of doing my personal writing or, you know, um, in, in other ways, I wouldn't necessarily put it there. Not because I don't feel expansive. Sure about it um but for me it, it does sometimes ring as as maybe too academic or sort of too heavy on the on the um linguistic sure. nuance sure. yeah <laughs> sure if you're just kind of like yeah i get it then then you get it yeah, um, yeah. and and so I, I i struggle with that and i i don't want well, I should say, as I was developing that project and developing the website, I really want to make the website feel um, and be inviting to folks who are not academics, right? And who sure. are not writers. Um, and, I, and yet I speak as, a, as an academic. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> um, and so I, I know that and I have to really hold myself accountable. You know, right. for, for how I'm being accessible or inaccessible. And, and so that the asterisk in that case is absolutely an attempt, an attempt to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to really break it down and say like, these are all the words. And, and also I, I think it can, is, is a really good practice for me. And I think for anyone in a position of power, to make themselves vulnerable and yeah. to say like, I'm, this is what I mean when I say that. That's right. uh, and to not hide behind some 
some more generic term so that if someone calls you out on it, you can then, oh, well, I meant that. You know, right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, say what you mean right away so that you can be held accountable for that. Yes, agreed. I agree 100%. Um, and, you know, at Visceral Change, really, one of our philosophies is that vulnerability and transparency, even the ability to make mistakes, is at the root of your learning. Because you know, comfortability for me is the root of stagnation. And we just gravitate towards like minded folks. So we need to be willing to be vulnerable, especially when it allows us to hold our own selves accountable and so we can grow even if we're perceived as the experts. I, I agree with that. Uh, you are Tucson's Poet Laureate. That is what you are. No question about it. No one's taking that from you. That's a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, uh, what is a Laureate? Yeah. Uh, and you know, how did you come to achieve <laughs> such an honor? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Tucson, so, you know, poet laureates can, can function in so many ways, really. Sure. Um, and in Tucson, I'm, this, I'm the second poet laureate, and, and the first, um, Rebecca Seiferly, she was the poet laureate for like eight years. Oh, wow. And yeah, and she did this, you know, she did really awesome work in schools and, um, you know, sort of bringing out poetry that was happening in jun or middle, not junior high anymore, <laughs> middle school and high schools. And, um, and so when she actually moved and that was what opened up the position. And, um, and so when I was, you know, given this honor, which it truly feels that way to me, I mean, I was like, certainly, okay, this is so exciting and I'm very scared. And, <laughs> um, but I, I felt very clear, I want to do what I can to make, to even push it out of the schools a little bit, you know, like, like sort of move beyond the traditional classroom. Um, and, and so the trans space is certainly part of that, but also doing things like, you know, fundraisers and, um, and really just bringing folks from the academy and the community and just putting folks together in the yeah. same space, you know, and say, let's hear each other, you know? Right, um, right, right, right. So I, that's, that's my, my greatest hope for what I've done, you know, is, is just bringing folks together. That's and, um, but, you know, in some places it's, it's a little more, what would it be like, um, almost bureaucratic, you know, like you might attend, things that speak on behalf of thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> luckily that's not tucson's gig like okay much more um you know we even did this one thing which it, oh it just made me so happy we we did habitat for humanity builds with poets oh wow and, oh it was so fun and that's so we, we would gather you know do a, a do a habitat build but it started off by reading a poem so it's wow. not a huge, you know, not a huge poetry event, but sure. I think so much of poetry is living the poem. Yes. You know, moving from yes. reading the poem to having the poem enacted, where yes. um, the process of being a poet lived. Yes. And um, so that felt like that. Yes. It was yeah, really that's... Thank you for that. Um, and that sounds like, I mean, it is, it is a heck of an accomplishment, you know? So when you said it feels like an honor, I have to imagine, you know, it, it is. Yeah. And, 
you know, I look, try to figure it out. And one, one thing said, you know, it's sort of like being knighted for life. And another one's like, you know, Supreme Court justice type stuff. So I'm like, let me just ask TC, <laughs> this is. <laughs> Luckily, it's not for life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> would be, um, well, ultimately, I'm like, I don't even think, I, I think, um, I think it's good to have new, new voices, right? Yes. Like, yes. Kuzan has heard my voice right. <laughs> a lot, <Yeah. laughs> and I've had a chance to to implement some really fun ideas. And ultimately, I'll you know I can still do that. It just wouldn't be as you know as as this sort of title. Right. Um, but I I feel my my term is coming up will be at the end of November, okay. and so there will be a new poet laureate coming in, and. I am truly so excited, mostly because I'm like, what are they going to do? Right. I'm like, what? Especially now that COVID has sort of rearranged so much. Yes. Like, yeah, someone else's ideas. I'm just really excited to. I love being a student, so I'm I'm ready mm. to be that person. <laughs> well, do your just a side question. Do your do your efforts with trans space and other things you were doing under this titles still exist? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll, at this point, I feel one of the things that developed out of that on trans space, you might have seen this, was part of this um, trans poetry resources, mm-hmm. which was not at all a part of my plan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was truly just, well, I'm making this list so that there are people I can contact and use their work and things like that. And then I realized, why am I hoarding this little list of all these trans poets? Like, I should make this public. Yes. link to everyone's websites and you know kind of do all of that of course i had no idea there would be as many poets as right, right. Are, which is amazing but that that's ongoing i update that quarterly you know so as a new trans book of poetry comes out it goes up on the website that's great and um that will absolutely continue on and then these workshops i'm like i can kind of do that as long sure. as people want to do it that's right yeah and and People need it, and people will be around for that for sure. Yeah, um, thank you for that. I uh, I want to change the tone mm-hmm. a little bit here, um, and I want to read you some numbers. Right? Uh, so, according to the Human Rights Campaign, uh, in 2019 alone, uh, at least 26 transgender or gender nonconforming people were fatally shot, killed in violent crimes. Uh, so 91% of these folks were black. So this is according to the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, TC, just how pervasive is violence against the trans community? And what does this say about violence against black and trans people of color specifically? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, don't, I don't think we can ever talk about transness without talking about the ways that violence is absolutely enacted upon that's right trans people and as you point out particularly and pervasively trans people of color that's right mostly trans women of color sure yes Um, and so so you know one part of your question was you know sort of did you say how pervasive is violence that's right in the against this community yeah Right, and, and I think it's really important that as a white passing 
transmasculine person, I say, yes, I have experienced some minor violences and I would call them compared to being dead, very minor. Right? Sure. Sure. Um, and still real. It's not that I, that my experience of that is not real, but I worry sometimes that when white trans folks start talking, and I know I've been guilty of this, this is not, again, holding myself accountable, sure. um, sort of taking up the mantle of like trans, transness is inherently sort of like dangerous because mm -hmm. of, because there's so much transphobia and that is true. And it is also true that whiteness is a protection across gender, across sexual orientation. You know, it is um, white supremacy, you, you see it, right? Like it, yes. it absolutely um, affects who is, who is being perpetrated against. That's right. Um, That's right. So, so yeah, it is pervasive and it is also pointed. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, <clears throat> it's, you know, almost, I'd probably even argue every year you can expect a statistic of this nature, right? And I, I'm not going to ask you for a solution because I get those questions all the time and we don't have, we don't really don't have one. At the end of the day, it's, we can offer ways to mediate, mitigate, and, and maybe resolve some of these efforts in areas, but there's no solution um, that, is, that is within range sometimes. Right, right. right. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there, there is the very simple solution of like, people have to stop killing trans. Right, and that's where I was going to head. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Right, right, right. That's where I was going to go, right? But, but it's like, you know, there's also the, you know the sort of the intersection too of misogyny. Yes. Right. That that it's it's trans women of color yep. who are yes. who are being targeted and and how much I feel like we live in a world where to be a woman and to be feminine and then to be a woman of color is is to be doubly expendable mm. um, and. Yes. Or, and or doubly threatening, therefore expendable. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, it's like how to address violence against trans women is to love, love black women. Right. <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's how. Like, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, while they're alive. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Like, nothing posthumous. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And, you know, but there needs to be, you know, and, you know, I'm sure you have these conversations often. I know I do. And my answer always comes back to the same place. The system. There needs to be a systemic change. And then we can ask about how, and that, now that's something we can entertain, that discussion. But at the end of the day, all the, the trainings, the workshops, the discussions, the roundtables, even the projects we, we engage in uh, are seen as just temporary they're they're reactive a lot of times they're in the moment what we need is something that attacks the heart of the infrastructure that changes what we perceive to be accepted acceptable normal and to your well-said point of 
if one answer is to resolve this is to love women, love black women, just like you articulately said, it can't happen after the fact. Have to happen now. And I would argue that would be the same across the board for all marginalized identities who are trying to find some sort of uh, reprieve in this in this journey. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we live also in a culture that refuses to grieve. Like, yes. you know, so it's like, I do think the grief is crucial. That's huge, huge. Um, it's just, it's a problem when it's the only, it's the only thing we're allowed to feel. That's right. Or um, for black women, for black trans women. It's that's like, right. Uh, that's, that's, not a, that's not enough emotional range. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when it's the only thing that ostensibly seems to lead to change. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get, get ahead of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just got a couple more questions for you, TC. Uh, and I'm loving this conversation. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, listen, I'm huge. And I've been saying this a lot lately. So if you've seen the other episodes, folks, I apologize if I keep saying this, but it's, it's relevant. I'm huge on, on names and, and name brands and, you know, uh, brand names, being mm-hmm. cognizant of the effort that goes into it. You know, I think about visceral change and I tell people all the time that was not overnight. You know, I sat with that and I'm like this, I want this to mean something and I want it to hit in a certain way. It was great. And I, I dropped my book, A Diamond is a Diamond. And I, I dropped it because I knew I was going to connect it somewhere. When I started talking about it, I was so excited. And I thought I had, you know, the best title in the world. Uh, and then I come across Jafiromania. <laughs> and I'm like, what on earth? And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but I do my research. And first I see Jafirophobia, which is sort of a fear of bridges, if you will. Jafiromania, this idea, as you call it, an obsession with bridges. I said, where's TC going with this? And then I'm like, wait a minute. This name, as we really begin to dissect, right? It's, it's So for folks who don't know, it's sort of this book of poems, I believe, that you wrote back in 2014. And there's, I want you to explain so much more. I'm, I'm really giving the short sight, so I'm, I'd love for you to go in. But the title is so powerful because, as I gather, one of the aims you hope to accomplish in this book is to explain, and I quote, uh, or to explore the diff- explore the spaces between, among, across, and even within bodies. So you, you say so many brilliant things. I don't want to continue because I don't want to, I don't want to do, do injustice to it, but connect us to the title, Define Romania, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Talk to us about, about this book and, and, and what we're trying to, what you're trying to accomplish with it the message and everything. Yeah, well, it's funny. I have, I've never heard anyone, I had never heard anyone say Gafiromania before. Gafiro. I, okay. I, okay. I, but I don't know. That's just how I say it. I okay. No I, that's right. I typed it in, I typed it in, and the audio pronouncer was like, Gafiromania. So right. I was like, okay, soft G, but Gafiro, let's do it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I found it in a dictionary, truly, you know, so uh, it was, um, it, it felt a little bit like divine intervention on that one. So I can't give no credit for that. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the book was, was, well, it was definitely bridging a lot of time and a lot of change in my life and certainly sure. my early gender transition and, um, and various forms of loss. Um, and so that's, you know, those are the themes of the book. Mm-hmm. And, I also, 
I really wanted the book itself to function as a as an object that sure. that, that that forces you to sort of move between spaces. Um, and and so the book does, you know, sometimes it reads this way and sometimes it reads that way. And there's one piece that is a it's, it's really a a bit of a crossword puzzle piece, you know, sure. <laughs> you know yeah. sort of playing around with things. So I wanted the reader to have an experience of being being stretched, you know, into yes. a new place. Um, but I didn't want the reader to be stretched so far that they, you know, were sort of just out in space. Right. Um, and some books do that beautifully, but I didn't feel like I could do that um, well. And and so so I I wanted yeah I wanted that discomfort, but then the some clarity. Yeah. And more discomfort and some clarity. Um, and it's funny, I look back at that book now and I don't know who wrote it, you know? <laughs> Interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any idea. Um, I mean, I, I'm so thankful for it and I, I, I love it. And it feels, um, it, it does feel like a different person. You know, That's we're related. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Um, but, but I've been through many other, I guess, landscapes, you know, I've been across other terrains. Would you say that that's an interesting perspective? Uh, I appreciate that. So then would you say that the, does the message still hold true for you? Do the, the concepts still hit the same way? Um, even given your, your six plus years of experience since then? Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I still, um, I, I feel like I still stand behind it as a book. Um, mm -hmm. And there are definitely moments when I'm like, ooh, hmm, mm. you know, I would do that better now or <laughs> I would do that differently. Yes. Um, but it's kind of the, I guess it's the, it's the risk the writer wants to take, right? Is, is, is to be wrong is to be wrong in print. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and and to have to reckon with that. I mean, right. it would be it would be such a different thing if it only lived online because then I would I would put on a better face. That's, you know? right. That's like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's clean that up. <laughs> um, and and I so I do like that you know, if you were to say look at that book and then look at a poem that, you know, maybe came out this year, mm -hmm. there would be a a tremendous um there's certainly similarities but, but they're, they're doing different things that's right um and and i do like that i like that that there's a kind of record of that and that is i mean that's powerful and the the ownership i don't obviously i'm not i don't know what you would be referring to but the ownership you're taking in terms of being vulnerable and saying you know this experience isn't the experience now maybe this person isn't this person now and um if you were to compare and contrast i think you would see that and and that is exactly what we mean by when we say this is a journey and not a destination you know we are all uh on this and we need to pay attention to the change which you know and this you know, offline you and i can have this conversation at a different time in the future but you know we start talking about this idea of cancel culture um and that's a that's an element of what we need to begin exploring is folks have changed. Uh, how much do we, how much grace do we get? I mean, how much do we, how much is that weighted? 
in this discussion. Um, when we start thinking about decisions or choices we made in the past that are not necessarily, or if at all, reflective of who we are today, um, how much is that? How much is that way? You know, um, in the larger landscape. So it's huge. I mean, that yeah, those questions of of how to how to hold someone accountable, which doesn't which which doesn't preclude some very sometimes consequences, you know, <laughs> like, um, and, and also how to do that with compassion and also who should be expected to hold that compassion. That's right. I mean, because, right. because we can't, I don't think it's fair to, to expect everyone to be compassionate to everyone else, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. Um, I just don't but, like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but it's like, you know, I can hold compassion, um, so that I can do the work in a way that someone else could not with that, with whatever person we're talking about. Um, right. And then there will be times when I'm like, you know what, I'm too triggered, I'm, I'm out. You know, That's like, right, yes. I can be a part of this. Um, which is, you know, and in my work and yours as well, which is equally important, equally as important as the advocacy piece. So I, I implore folks to become allies and advocates just as much as I implore folks to be conscious of their own capacity and limitations and don't put yourself in a position where you're going to continue to carry this burden or, or that is going to do more harm for you. I remember being a first amendment monitor and I was allowing folks space to do their free speech. And this one guy, white gentleman had this massive Confederate flag and had a Trump sign. And that was in my beat. I was like, I can't do it. Sorry. Someone else tag in. I can't, I can't be here with this guy who's, who's holding this down. Uh, and it was, it was uh, something I had to be confident in saying, and like, I'll, I'll, I'll step over here, but this, I don't have the capacity to be with this guy here who's, who's doing this piece. So yeah, critical. Crucial. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that critical. Yeah. That's in that yeah. space and that support to say, I have to hold this boundary. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. If you want me to continue with you all, yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and that really underscores the point that it's this is so much of a sort of community of, of a dispersed effort. You know, yes. I mean, there's not a it's not one person who can fix it. It's That's like, right. Yeah. 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 TC, I got one more question for you, okay. uh, and then I promise you can go take a nap or whatever you got to do next. Cause that's what I'm feeling like as well at times. <laughs> uh, I like to ask my guests this who have, who have clearly dedicated themselves to a craft and this is really everybody I talk to. Right? So this isn't a jab or anything like that, but when you receive titles like poet laureate, you know, this question has to come up, uh, you know, in your rise to prominence, really, you know, uh, you received the Arizona Commission on the Arts Individual Artist Award. You were editor of Poem for a Day, named, as you mentioned, Academy of American Poets Laureate Fellow, on top of being Tucson's Poet Laureate, a published author, and the list goes on and on. I mean, there's no doubt, TC, that you worked super hard for these accolades and these achievements. Right? Not necessarily, not to be confused with saying that you wanted them, this was your driving force, but you've worked hard and your, your, your hard work paid off in this way. Uh, so I have to ask you, how much of these accolades and accomplishments 
r slash were for you and then how much of it was for the trans community and the gnb community beside you or behind you coming up next that is such a beautiful question um it's <laughs> i don't identify as pentecostal anymore or, or, or you know i'm not, I'm not religious okay. but that, that there is something very deeply uh, important to me about that upbringing, which is this concept of service um, and uh, and tithing, um, and and I, for whatever reason, have always taken that so seriously. Sure. Like, like that, this is we we do not play about this. <laughs> like you you know, you, you give back, like, and it's right. always sort of like as, as service. And so, you know, Troubling the Line, the anthology, if I, if I never did anything else, that to me was, was the thing that I felt like just to get this conversation started yeah. in this particular way, um, to be able to go to a queer youth center now and literally bring a book and be like, all these folks are trans and non-binary and they all write poems. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so do what you want with them, you know? Right. Um, or just or just look at it and know that those people exist. That's um, right. th that project and so much of my project is absolutely about sort of looking around or looking forward at the people who are gonna you know, come along mm -hmm. and, and and just say like, you're not alone. Like, and, and on some level, there's someone out there who totally believes in you. That's you know? right. Like, um, it's, you know, I get emails all the time and it's one of my favorite things because I'll get emails from, from younger folks who are like, oh, this is cool, whatever, you know, I saw this and, and I'll say, give me your address. Like, I want to send you something. Wow. And it's like, <laughs> great. I'm, just, I'm so excited because it's like, I, I just want us to have that moment to say like, you totally, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> you know? That's powerful, so dude. That's great. You're here, you know? That's and, great. and it fills me, right? It, feel, it fills the, the child self who wanted to hear that, the teenager, right. you know? It's like, there, there's all sorts of reparative work that can be done. Yes. <laughs> that is, that's part of it. So there's the, the awards and things like that, what they give me um, is really a bigger chance to give more back, yes. you know, and that, that's, right. that's like the best gift in the world. Right. Yes. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I had this experience and this is financial and I think it's really important to talk about finances. Like, you know, I, I think real moving money from one sort of power, power position to another is very important. And, you know, after I won that fellowship, you know, I would see things on GoFundMe as it was like, you know, trans woman needs rent money, trans woman needs, you know, and I'm right. like, send <laughs> you know what i'm saying like and it was like this is what this is what this is for that's right i'll write more poems whether or not this sure this money yes. is here what matters is that i can then take this and, and that's it, right move it out and 
that's living the poem as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's it. And you know, it, <laughs> when I have these, what we're talking about now is privilege and a little bit of social power mm-hmm. um, in terms of our platform to use that privilege. And, <clears throat> you know, I, whenever I'm in these discussions, I refer right back to the old Spider-Man or Superman quote, depending on which one you're looking at with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And, and that's what you're saying is, you know, these awards only gave me platform, elevated the, my platform to be, to engage in this proclivity, right? To, 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 to be this generous, which I already was. I just now get to do it in a level that makes other people see it. Yeah. It's the, I'm so thank, it's like, I, I feel like I'm constantly writing the Academy because I'm like, thank you so much because now I can write this check. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> right, so right. I can do this, you know? And right. it's not, it's like, I mean, shit, it's like, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's like, you know, I really, you know, I grew up, you know, a broke kid in the South. So it's like, I'm not trying to have a mansion. Like, I just need sort of like to have a vehicle, have, you know, place to land, like right. feed my dogs and stuff. So, and a bunch of books. Like, so after that, it's like, Let's let's do this. That's let's, right. let's do this. So I feel so lucky. Really. Casey, that's great. That is great. Thank you so much for being here. And and the expletive just lets me know you're comfortable, and that's all that I ask for. So that's all. Thank you so much, TC. Before I let you go, um, we talked about a couple, but um, how can the people get in touch with you? Do you have any? Social media presence, any podcast publications, any ads, hashtags, anything. I don't. I do have some social media things, but I honestly don't know what the ads are. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not good at making them consistent, so I'm kind of bad on that front. But okay. you could just go to my website, which is just my name, tctolbert.com, and it it sort of links out to all the other things. Perfect. Nice and easy. Yeah. One stop shop. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, TC, uh, for joining us on the Chopping Block. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, my family, everybody, TC Tolbert, Sherrod Robbins, you. you're on the Chopping Block at visceralchange.org.